I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. All right. Uh, welcome to the Abundant Beans Podcast. I'm Jamie O'Kane, uh, owner of Abundant Beans Tax and Accounting, where um, we help you take um, your tax and accounting uh, from have to to want to. Um, and this, today we have Parker Stevenson. Parker is a co-owner and the chief business officer at Evolved Finance a bookkeeping agency that specializes in helping online entrepreneurs to build more profitable and financial stable online businesses. For over six years, Parker has been advising some of the top coaches, course creators, influencers, and thought leaders on how to make more sound business decisions using their financial data. Welcome. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate uh, you having me on the show. Um, Emily uh, rewrote your bio for you. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, and I have questions. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Um, Emily is my VA um, and she runs a whole podcast situation like the back end. Oh, nice. She's amazing. Um, So Parker, first question, always first. uh, What was your first job? My first job, like it was under the table. But I, when I was like 15, I worked for my dad. My dad had a oil change franchise. They're not, I don't think they're around anymore. Um, cause we're, we actually immigrated from Canada when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So when you immigrate from another country, they're usually like, okay, how are you going to make money here? Like, how are you bringing money into America? So mm-hmm. my parents, uh, my dad had set up to, to open a franchise called the Grease Monkey, an oil change uh, mm-hmm. place in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So um, what, when I was off for summer, and right before I was driving myself, um, my dad's like, well, if you want to earn some extra money, you can vacuum cars and like, just do the, uh, fill up air in the tires. And I, and we worked 10 hour days. And I think I did it like four or five times. And I'm like, yeah, I think when I turn 16, I'm going to try to go work for someone yeah, else. This, this kind of sucks. <laughs> I had a ton of respect for what my dad went through every day mm-hmm. because uh, it, it was very uh, manual labor because um, he was in it with the guys. Uh, but my first on the books job was Discovery Zone, if you ever remember. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, and so that was um, a, a job that taught me to look for jobs I actually wanted instead of just find what I can get. Mm-hmm. So you come from a land of entrepreneurs. I do. Strangely enough, my dad's side of the family is super entrepreneurial and kind of my mom's side, like my mom's mom being an immigrant from Portugal to Canada. Um, she kind of like did her own thing too and figured some stuff out like with real estate and all that. Like she's not like super wealthy, but for being an immigrant from Portugal and all, I mean, I, I didn't realize it until I kind of got into Evolve Finance mm-hmm. and started doing something entrepreneurial. Then I'm like, man, this might be in my blood a little bit. Did I know you were Portuguese? I don't think so. I don't typically bring it up because I don't look very Portuguese. Um, but uh, yeah, my mom was born in the Azores Islands, um, which is off the coast of Portugal. So mm-hmm. uh, my grandma, 
uh, still has a thick Portuguese accent, and my uncles still speak Portuguese. But um, what part of did they immigrate? They immigrated to Canada. Canada. Yeah, they immigrated to Alberta. So my family. I, I was born in Calgary, Alberta. That's where my parents met. But uh, luckily, my parents moved us down to San Diego when I was about four, and thank God for that because the weather's a little better in San Diego. So my grandmother's Madurin. Oh, very cool. <laughs> they immigrated to the Bay Area. Ah, that's a little better than the middle of Canada. And you look about as Portuguese as I do. So <laughs> you look, I think you look more Portuguese than I do. I sure. do. I look like my, my grandmother who's a hunter, like, well, they're Madeiran. So sure. They're Portuguese and Greek and there was even some like gold coast African in, in my genealogy. Um, but yeah, I look exactly like her, um, which is crazy since I only got like a quarter of the Portuguese for that side. Well, of my um, if it, I don't know if the video of this is showing, but um, I definitely yeah. look far more Canadian because I'm uh, really pale. But if you saw my brother, you'd be like, okay, you're the Portuguese one. And then I got my dad's side, which is like Saskatchewan, very yeah. cold, pale part of the the country. So that's so funny. Yeah, my dad is like super dark. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I get dark, but like he's just always dark. But he lives in Florida, so. That, that helps the cause. <laughs> it's like if I was in Florida all the time, laying out in the sun, then I would be that dark as well. Um, but that's really funny. He's the Portuguese and I went, right? But mm. the rest of my genealogy is German and Irish and Scandinavian and whatever. So, okay. Sorry. We totally went off there, but I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> I rarely meet another Portuguese person. I know. I kind of feel the same way. Oops. Sorry. Hold on. Okay. Um, so, so let's talk about, you know, what, what does Evolve Finance do? How did you guys, how did you end up here with Evolve Finance? Yeah, it, it's definitely one of those things where uh, if you had told me like 15 years ago, um, oh, you're going to be a partner in a bookkeeping firm. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. There's <laughs> no way that's the path I'm going to go down. Mm -hmm. uh, but my, um, I, I kind of had a history of chasing my passions. Mm -hmm. And I, I was a musician when I graduated college and I was working, like I was working a grown adult job at that time. I was working for an automotive consultant, but I was in, living in LA playing music. Uh, the band eventually broke up and I have like family in the music industry also mm -hmm. kind of in my blood. Um, but I was like, okay, the music thing was cool, but now I'm going to go do the golf thing. Cause I really love golf too. So I moved back down to San Diego where the golf industry is got a job at the, um, the number one golf manufacturer in the world. It was tailor-made Adidas at the time. Mm -hmm. Worked there for about five years and then realized, oh man, like just kind of like the way music was, I, I love it, but working in it kind of made me not love it so much. And it, and it was really kind of a drag. And, and I think I realized what I loved about being a musician was the entrepreneurial side of it. I learned a ton in the corporate environment and loved the structure and a lot of the skills I learned, but also didn't really like an executive team I didn't feel aligned with and I didn't feel like was moving the company in a direction mm -hmm. that I liked. And then feeling like all these other people had, were making decisions about the future of my career. Or there's all mm -hmm. these, these key holders that you had to suck up to. And I'm like, this feels way too complicated. So my, um, my wife's best friends had this bookkeeping company that they've been running since they were teenagers. And we just started talking more and more about like, what were they doing? And like, how's the business going? And they're like, oh yeah, we serve these online businesses. Their clients seem super interesting. Uh, and it seemed like they had a really good service. Like Corey uh, just was so service oriented and he seemed like he was, uh, from what I could tell, was kind of treating bookkeeping differently than what I had heard bookkeepers doing in the past. So eventually I just took the leap 
And for the last six years, I've been working with Corey and our team went from Corey, myself and one other bookkeeper to now there's 12 of us and we'll be hiring our 14th or our 13th and 14th employee in the next couple months. And it's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. It's I, I enjoy doing the work every day. And so for me, I kind of realized, okay, it's not necessarily, am I passionate about bookkeeping? It's more about, am I passionate about helping people? Am I passionate about leadership? Do I like building something? Do I like um, being able to be involved in a lot of aspects of a business instead of having to specialize? So those are kind of the things that came to, together for me that were unexpected, but now I, I wouldn't change it for the world. So you would say it's about the impact that the bookkeeping makes on the totally, clients, totally. right? And, and, and for me, it's also about opportunity. I think mm -hmm. like good, like, the entrepreneurs I think I've respected are the ones that saw opportunity to, to meet a need in the market and jumped on it. And mm -hmm. I felt like Corey had seen a need, which was we serve online businesses. So many online businesses struggle to find bookkeepers who actually understand how their businesses work. Mm -hmm. So the business, my business brain is going, that's huge. Like, it sounds like you're the only person doing this. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, there's not really any bookkeepers competing with us for this niche. So we've been able to grow and really capture so much of the market. And so in combination with just the opportunity to really get good at something, be an industry leader in something. And then again, like be able to make an impact on our clients' businesses, work with interesting people, get to hire team members that we actually sincerely enjoy being around and working with. Like there's a, there's this sense of control over an, our environment and what we're trying to build that I just find so much more fulfilling than kind of being a cog in a larger machine where you don't get as much of a say. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's like really poignant about being a business owner is we get to choose our impact and we get to choose how we want to help people. Um, and like, that's all we can do. Like we can do just that. Um, which is an interesting, which is interesting in our industry because a lot of people will try to do everything. Um, you know, I have to do bookkeeping, I have to do accounting, I have to do taxes, I have to do book, I have to do payroll, I have to. Uh, I, I should also be a financial advisor. Like anything, like potentially in our realm, like people will try to go do, like all at the same time. And I'm like, how can you be good at all of those things? Totally. And I think the internet's changing that because I think if let's say you had a restaurant. Mm -hmm. 30, 40 years ago, and you're like, I need an accountant. Like trying to find someone, an accountant, and then find a separate bookkeeper, and then find a payroll provider, and then have someone on your team manage inventory, and there was no software to really, like there's all these aspects to running a business that I, I think your accountant kind of had to be that central point for you. Mm -hmm. And now the internet is making it easier to find the support you need in your business to serve certain things that you're right. Like, I think a lot of businesses are starting to realize, oh, it's better for me to hire individual experts who are really specialized in the things that are most important. And then I can find other, like, you know, I think we're kind of on the same page here. Mm -hmm. um, like we only do bookkeeping at this point because mm -hmm. tax filing is a whole nother skill set that we would have to build out a whole other branch for the business. And for us, we're like, before we start trying to get good at doing all these other things, let's be really good at the bookkeeping first. And I think we see a lot of accountants 
because our clients come to us mm -hmm. from accounting firms who are doing their bookkeeping and they go, this is awful. They were trying to do all the things, but they didn't do any of them really well versus our clients who work with accountants who only file taxes mm -hmm. tend to be really good because all they worry about are filing taxes. And I think the reason we're so good at doing bookkeeping for our clients is because we only worry about the bookkeeping. So I think because of the internet, it's easier to find these people like us who mm -hmm. specialize and can niche down and really provide value instead of just hiring people to fill holes in your business and just hope it works out like I think you used to have to do. Yeah. Um, I do get a little, some pushback for not being a one-stop shop. Um, I do too sometimes. Yeah. But you know, anytime I see, you know, but I always say like payroll, like payroll is one of my things. And I'm just like, why would I a do that? B tie my team to it and C, well, you don't want to pay us for that. Like yeah. there are people who specialize in payroll. Like very rarely do I have to turn around and step in on apparel because that's what they do and it's cost efficient. And like, that's just one of those things you have to do. You know, like there's no value added to apparel. There just isn't. Like we just have to do it properly. We gotta get it all paid in. We gotta make sure it's coach. Like it's just compliance. Um, and that's why we don't do it because there's no value add there. You know, we, it, it, we feel the same exact way. We don't do it as well because the software like, uh, I don't know if you use Gusto ever, but like Gusto is so perfect mm -hmm. for our clients and it's so affordable and it's so intuitive that it's like, why pay a whole payroll provider to do manually what software is making so much easier mm -hmm. and the customer support is so good. Like, again, there's these solutions that that are starting to, to make their way out there that are more cost effective and, mm -hmm. and more specific to solving the problems you need yeah. that you're right. I think a lot of entrepreneurs go, well, I just want someone else to manage it. And it's like, well, why spend the extra money when there's a good happy medium somewhere mm -hmm. in between if you just do a little bit more research into to what really is going to make sense for your business? Yeah. And I always say payroll is not a DIY situation. Like, and like I had somebody the other day be like, um, so can I just run my own payroll? And I was like, okay, tell me the six compliance pieces you need to make sure you pay um, and when they're due. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Because, and I, and I like to kind of talk about this stuff because I don't think people understand this, but you're holding those taxes in trust for the IRS. So those are trust taxes. Those do not belong to you. So when you do not pay them in on time, you're not paying in money. You, not yours. It belongs to the employees. It belongs to the IRS. <laughs> like totally. we just, we don't mess with it. That's one of those things. I'm just like, that's not one of the things we mess with because that's a really good way to shut down your business. Yeah. And there's, there is so much expertise around like the payroll side of things. But again, I, I think when, uh, especially I think accountants are put in this tough situation mm -hmm. still, like I said, I think it's getting better, but it's like, you know, all the tax and finance stuff, just figure it out for me. I'll just pay you money. And then it puts accountants in this trap of just trying to solve all the mm -hmm. problems, but it actually uh, makes their service worse. Like we've seen it over and over again with a lot of our clients, accountants that we've worked with that again, and I don't think this is just for accountants, any mm -hmm. entrepreneur, the more you can keep your, I mean, we see this in our clients numbers, the mm -hmm. more our clients are focused on one main offer instead of trying to sell 17 different things at the same time, mm -hmm. their revenue grows, profit grows, and the business owner is usually a lot less stressed out and a lot richer because of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's also important to talk about like giving that stuff over to the correct person. <laughs> the cheapest guy in a that in a corner office or, you know, in the little strip mall, he, he's going to probably run away with your cash. That's like the <laughs> easiest way to lose all your cash is to hand your payroll over to somebody who 
isn't qualified to do it or is going to scam you in the long run. So having a proper third party doing your payroll is just so important. Like Gusto is great. We have a couple clients in Gusto. We actually use a solution through MyPay um, because those clients are our clients and I have access to everything and we all have the same processor. Sure. Um, I've, been, I've been with them before Gusto was a thing. Um, but there's no reason to do your <laughs> well, and I think- or your own bookkeeping. And let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and we, and we've, I mean, the only time I've seen businesses come to us where they're like in trouble, where Mm -hmm. I think where the business owner is like, I wish I didn't start my business because I'm so much worse off from it Mm -hmm. is when they trust the wrong person. Cause it's not even so much like I hired this accountant in a strip mall. It's Mm -hmm. more Oh, my business partner said he knew how to file the taxes and he just did it. Or my, my uncle or my aunt said that they've done it before Mm -hmm. they've used Quicken and then they Mm -hmm. did it for me. And then two years later, the IRS goes, Oh, by the way, you owe us a gajillion dollars and they're not good for it. And now they're paying, you know, uh, paying back taxes and kind of dug themselves in a hole. Mm -hmm. Those are the situations where for whatever reason, especially Americans, we think we're smarter than the system. And we think, oh, we don't need these certain things. This is just recommended, Mm -hmm. but it's like, there's just such a tremendous responsibility as a business owner to make sure, like you said, compliance, you're staying compliant with payroll. You're staying compliant with the way you file your taxes Mm -hmm. that pay the money to bring experts into your business. It's a cost of doing business. Um, but it just blows my mind. Some of the decisions I think entrepreneurs make for the sake of saving a couple hundred dollars a year that puts their, their businesses in such volatile situations. Mm-hmm. No, that's really true. Um, so I want to talk about what is an online business? What does that mean? So for us, um, the, the, the clients that we work with as online businesses, it's really, um, I should add another word in there online, online lifestyle business, because mm, right? okay. te- technically you could go, Amazon's an online business, but obviously they're a massive multinational corporation. Um, but our clients are really in the, the business of selling information. So, mm-hmm. uh, for us, we don't work with e-com businesses, um, just because, you know, as you know, inventory management and all that gets, can get, we don't work with those either. Yeah, because it's send it those just, over it, to our friend Veronica Wasik. Yeah. And so there's people that specialize in inventory-based businesses, which is mm-hmm. great. So our clients are usually selling courses, membership sites, they're um, influencers, authors, bloggers. Um it just again, kind of thought leaders sharing information uh, in one way or another and, and selling information in order to help people grow businesses, have hobby, like get better at their hobbies or um, just learn new skills in general. I love it. Um, so what is, you know, what is important um, profitability wise for online businesses? Cause you don't really don't have a lot of overhead. Well, and, and, it's amazing how quickly an online business can build up overhead oh, totally. if, if they're not, if they're not um, being intentional, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right. I mean, if you, again, we look again 30 years ago and you want to start a retail business, I mean, how much money do you have to go get, you know, ask your parents for your friends and family, take out another mortgage, go get a loan from the bank just to get by your inventory, rent, hire a couple employees right off the mm-hmm. bat. Online businesses, I mean, we've seen our clients build multi-six figure businesses with themselves and like a VA and some like software. 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're spending, they might drop, um, a 
thousand to five thousand dollars up front over the course of six months to get some stuff together and then they have a business going mm -hmm. um so for for our clients um they're going to be at least six figures or more. So, you know, your profitability will be different if you're just getting started, but because our clients are all making anywhere from their first hundred grand to crossing the 10 million mark, we we're going to be pushing for 30% profitability or better. We have some clients that can get to 50, 60% profitability mm -hmm. after all of their tax write-offs, like really like uh, all their business expenses, even maybe running some payroll for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and they can still be in that 30 to 50% profitability range. But the reason we emphasize it so much for our clients is because most of our clients aren't going to have businesses they can sell. The great thing is super profitable, easy to manage cash flow. Downside is you, you, you might not have a business you're going to like sell for a couple million and then retire. But in, in our eyes, it's, it's fine either way. In a lot of ways, I think being able to have a a business you can build up profitably right from the start is less risky than like trying to start a startup, hoping you get paid one day, hopefully you can sell it one day you go public or whatever it is. Um, so for our clients, we're like, you're getting your buyout now every single year, but the way you ensure your buyout is as juicy as possible is just, are we paying attention to our profitability? And if we can balance our profitability with making sure we're keeping the business stable, you can make an executive level salary for as long as your business is around. And from there, just make sure you're putting aside money for the future on the personal side of things. Yeah. So they want to minimize taxes for right now. They want to do their post and, you know, pre and post, you know, retirement stuff and really get a good balance there. Um, that's really interesting because, um, you know, we talk about, because we work with women-owned veterinary and dental clinics. And so those are sellable businesses, right? Totally. But if you're taking every penny out of it all the time, right? And then you like, you think it's going to get a payout, you know, we really only get paid, you know, one or two years of revenue, you know, really up at the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, minimizing or maximizing your profit is always important, right? Cause then you can get as many dollars out of it today, regardless of what it's worth later. But I think that's really interesting about thinking about the longevity of those, you know, of influencers, you know, my, like my favorite YouTuber isn't going to like turn around and sell her business to somebody else. Cause nobody else is going to watch that person. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm never going to turn around and sell the podcast because nobody is me. Nobody's, you know, nobody can host like I do. Right. They can host their own podcast, but they can't host mine. Yeah. They're going to lose your audience. Like, right. They would lose my audience. Like, this isn't Jamie. Why would I because listen? People listen to me for some reason. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> you know, I'm always just flabbergasted. Thank you, listeners, for listening. And if you want to shoot me an email and tell me why you even listen, that would be really great. Because <laughs> I'm still I'm still flabbergasted by our downloads. Um, but this isn't something that's sellable. Right? And that's okay. And that's, that's fine. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we toil in it for six years without a payout. Because we have to but, understand that. Totally. And that's where, like, even if you do have plans to sell your business one day, are you going to get more interest in your business if cash flow is tight? Or are you going to get more interest in your business if this just looks like a cash machine for someone to just take over? Right. So I personally feel like, sure, sometimes you give up profit for growth if you're trying to build up the value of your business temporarily mm -hmm. and um, or, or there's some sort of end game there where it might be worthwhile. But if you're just not profitable because you're not paying attention to it and um, you're not managing your personal finances in combination with your business finances, then you're doing your business a disservice you're, and you're doing yourself a disservice by not maximizing those two things. Mm -hmm. um, because again, like if, if someone said, hey, do you want to buy a business? The first thing I'm going to look at, well, what's the cash flow like? What's the profitability look like? And if your profitability is crap, 
I'm definitely not going to give you as much money as you want for, for a business where profitability is going to take some time to get fixed. And the, the industries are changing. So one of the things I actually, I actually laugh at is somebody will send me an email and they're like, Hey, here's this tax firm for sale. Do you want it? And I'm like, are they on monthly fees? They're like, no. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want your tax prep clients. I don't. No, thank you. Don't, you. You don't want a tax firm that is essentially operating like it's 50 years ago. I don't want a product-based firm. I'm, that's, yeah. I'm, that's what I'm, what I'm about. Um, so it's always just like, well, maybe I can convert like 10% of these. Is that worth it for you to like, send me the, tell me the 10%, <laughs> you know, it's just always just like, uh, no, do you have anything that's actually monthly fee based? No. Okay. Well, let me know if you do. Because it's really hard to convert clients to that. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, your business model and how you operate. And, and again, we're, we're not necessarily experts in selling your business, mm -hmm. but you know, at Evolve Finance, we're trying to build something that one day could, you know, could sell because especially a service-based business has more potential to sell than, um, you know, again, like some of our clients where they are the face of the business and it's their information and their skill sets. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately... Uh, being an entrepreneur, there's a game you have to learn to play and you have to understand what game you're playing. Like what's your business model? What's your end goal? What's the, the pros and cons of the type of business you're running? And the sooner you can know those things, come to terms and accept those things, then you can maximize whatever benefits you get out of your business. But I think so many times business owners will just get these businesses going and just go, I just want to make money and I want to do something I like. And then it, it happens and then they go, oh, I guess I should have thought some other things through. And mm -hmm. that's where it's like, I just encourage you to think that stuff through, find some people who can help you with these kinds of things, because you have such an opportunity to set yourself up for the future. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are running a healthy business, mm -hmm. um, but if it doesn't feel like it's very healthy, then uh, there's definitely opportunity to change that and fix this by working with people like you or people like us or getting a financial mm -hmm. advice, getting people who have strengths in the areas where maybe you feel a little, um, a little weekend. Yeah. And it's about that team. Yep. It's about that team of outside eyes. And I say this on the podcast all the time, but that team of outside eyes that are doing the things that you're not experts in, that you're not an expert in, which could be a myriad of things. I'm not an expert in lots of things mm -hmm. um, that all have your best interest and understand your goals. Like if you can bring, if you have a team of those people, you will go faster and harder and meet your goals much sooner because you have all these people who have, might have differing views on how to get you there, but they give you the info you need to make decisions. Um, and it's just always interesting to me that people just are going to, I'm going to do my own bookkeeping, I'm going to do my own taxes, I'm going to do all my own stuff. All my legal work, I'm going to put together all my contracts. Well, they do. I watch accountants do this all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? What are our, you doing? Our our lawyers are best friend at this point Last yeah. two years helped us so much. Like she's been invaluable. Yeah, they are invaluable. Um, and I might think of questions around your tax situation that your lawyer might not think of. And that's why we need to sit down and have the conversations, you know? Um, so I want to talk about, um, the tagline on your, on your website. I don't know what it said, but it's something about like, are you ashamed of your financial situation? <laughs> So I want to talk about the shame that business owners have around their bookkeeping. I want to know what you see. I want to talk about why we do this. Totally. So <laughs> and yeah. how do we release people from this? Because 
we do non-judgmental support over here. Everybody knows if you've listened to the podcast once or twice, I'm a birth doula. I used to be a birth doula. I do non-judgmental oh, wow. support of like, what do you want in your birth? Okay, cool. Let's go do that. Um, that's how I learned how to do non-judgmental support. Um, and now we do it with our business owners. Oh, you haven't paid your taxes in five years. I really don't care. Let me send yeah. you to my resolution person. I have no feelings about that. Um, why do we have this shame or why do business owners feel like they should understand bookkeeping? Yeah. And, and just so the tagline on our website is it's, it's time to stop feeling ashamed, frustrated, or stressed about your finances. And you know where I got this from. Yeah. Like, you know, these emotions as you see it, but when we talk to, you know, I've talked to literally hundreds of prospective clients over mm -hmm. the years. And there is there, and maybe some of you can relate to it. Maybe some of you don't, cause you have all your finances put together. But I think that because the financial side of your business, whether it's your bookkeeping, whether it's your accounting, whether it's your like budgeting and forecasting, whatever it may be around your numbers, there's not really common knowledge around this stuff. Like I went to business school, I took finance and accounting classes. And I remember in business school going, I have no context for this. I've never worked in a corporation. This is all related to giant corporations. We're not talking about small businesses. So now I think so many people, even if like our clients even went to business school, which most of our clients didn't, they have this idea of finance that's giant corporations. They're not running a giant corporation and they're trying to translate that into their business and they just feel lost and confused. Mm -hmm. But as business owners, we're all trying to, I think, fight with um, imposter syndrome, right? Oh, we're trying daily. to be like, like, oh, am I really bringing in this much money? Do my clients really trust me to do these things, right? Like we all are going through these, these emotions that when you, and, and these are emotions we're having with the parts of our business we're good at. Mm -hmm. our marketing, our sales, our serving our customers, that then when you get to the parts of your business where you don't feel like it's your strength, again, I think it just brings up the shame like, oh, I should have paid attention to my finance classes in school or, oh, I should have asked more questions to someone or I, I haven't, I should have found someone who can help me with this right now. And I think part of the failure of our industry we're in, Jamie, like mm -hmm. both, both you and I as financial professionals is that I think as a whole, our industry does a poor job of positioning what we do for our clients, educating and helping them understand how this part of their business works, mm -hmm. and then providing a service to them that really gets to the root of what they're looking for instead of what we just think we want mm -hmm. to do for them. And yeah. so, I, you know, obviously you're running an accounting firm very differently than a, a typical accounting practice would. It's still We're hard though. But, but there's still, but for every one of you as an accountant or yeah. every one of us as a bookkeeper, there's a million others who are still doing kind of providing their service in a very archaic way mm -hmm. that makes the client feel like, okay, I'm afraid to ask them questions. I don't really understand what they're doing. Uh, they're not really wanting to explain this to me anyways. I must be dumb. And I must just not understand how this works. So I think the combination of an, in America, we do a crappy job of teaching people about money, period just personally. Yeah. And then you combine that with the fact that I think our tax code is so complicated. Um, the way we talk about finance, finance is almost in this other language that's completely unnecessary for small businesses. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you feel like you have to learn this whole other vocabulary that it just feels overwhelming and, and really out of reach in terms of like, or out of your grasp in terms mm -hmm. of being able to understand it, mm -hmm. that our go-to feelings are I feel bad. I don't know this. I'm ashamed. I'm frustrated. And this is stressing me the hell out. Mm -hmm. So I, I think uh, I'll be curious to see what your experiences are here, Jamie, but this is just something that it's so 
prevalent. There's a reason we put that tagline on our website because we have such a bizarre relationship with money in this country, let alone being a business owner who now not only needs to manage their personal finances, but now has the responsibility of tracking their P&L for, for a business as well. So, so I'm curious, what, what have you kind of seen and what's your experience been with those emotions? Well, our tagline is um, giving you the confidence that your tax and accounting are working for you and not against you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's kind of similar. Um, You know, my experience a lot of the time is, I think it goes back to our culture of like the, you know, the solopreneur or, you know, the lone, the lone cowboy, um, you know, we're supposed to know how to do everything or we can figure out how to do everything. And if we just try hard enough, we're going to figure it out eventually, regardless if like the credits make any sense to you, which honestly, they really shouldn't. Um, and you know, there is, there's just so much shame and almost fear about getting it wrong. Um, a good friend of mine, really good friend of mine. I don't know why she didn't just message me, but she posted it in one of her forums, you know, Oh, I did this thing. Like she accidentally wrote some, a check out of her personal account instead of the business account. She's like, how do I do this with bookkeeping? And I was like, okay, well you just do this and you know, you're just going to do a transfer. It's fine. Just book it here. And she's like, okay, but could you also tell me that it's okay? (laughs) (laughs) And I went, she's like, and this happens. And I went, oh my God, it happens all the time. And it even happens to me. I set up my daughter's recurring preschool on a company card on accident once the recurring one. So it took me a while to figure out how to fix it. Right. (laughs) Cause then I had to log in and talk to the people and it was a whole thing. I do those things. It's okay. We just have to account for it properly because really it's all ins and outs. Like we can, we can figure out the ins and outs, right? I've had people come to me and be like, okay, well, I'm like three years behind on tax filings. Don't judge me. And I'm like, are you an accountant? Are you a bookkeeper? Have you ever actually done bookkeeping? Well, no. Are you a tax professional? No. Then why? I don't understand why we think that we can be experts at what we do, but also do everybody else's job. Like why, how is that a good business and be good for your psyche? (laughs) Again, that's like that imposter syndrome, right? Like I already have imposter syndrome about being an expert in tax and I'm a pretty freaking amazing tax person and tax planner because that's just how my brain works. And I like tax. Yes, that's weird. But <laughs> but I have imposter syndrome about that. I tried to move our Gmail, or we have two Googles. We just did a whole domain switch thing. I started the 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 domain migration and then like checked myself and was like, "What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You are over your head." I had to practice what I preach, and I do it every day. We all have to as business owners check ourselves. And like well, learning how to do things that really we have no business doing. And I, and I think something you said uh, kind of triggered this for me too, because I hear this a lot as well, is I think as business owners, especially in the online space where there's a lot of visibility, like I don't know as a veterinarian, if you're paying attention to how successful the other veterinarians are around mm-hmm. you. I'm sure there's a little bit of that. Oh yeah, there's um, a lot of online, that. In the online space, it's so visible because everyone's running an online business and everyone's kind of following each other's social media that you feel like, oh, everyone else has their act together and I don't. Like they're doing so well. 
and behind the scenes of my business, the finances are a mess. And mm-hmm. it, it, even comparing yourselves to other, other people makes you feel even more ashamed. And mm-hmm. typically when someone comes to me and tells me that, I'm like, I promise you, almost anybody you're watching and admiring from afar is mm-hmm. going through the same mess and trying to get it figured out. Unless they work with us already, mm-hmm. chances are their finances probably are a mess. <laughs> Um, because I've it's talked so to so many people in the end, like I've, I speak to a lot mm-hmm. of big people in the industry, um, and, and they inquire and sometimes they're not willing to make the changes they need to make in their businesses because, uh, they, they're afraid to clean up the mess in a, in a system that they don't have control over. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as business owners, yes, we have to maintain some modicum of control in our businesses, mm-hmm. but we also have to let go. Like you have to let go of, of so much because, Sure. If you're a freelancer designer, you can do most of the things in your business, but you still need an accountant and you probably still need a bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, if you have any aspirations of growing your business, you're going to have to trust other people to come in and help you do things. And you, and I don't care how, like, I can consider myself a jack of all trades. I never really specialized in any one skill set. I like Mm -hmm. knowing a little bit about a lot of things. And for someone like me who wants to do all the things, Mm Like the, the, we scale the, we scale faster, the more people we bring into this business and get support on the things that need to be done. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's, um, that's a piece where, um, especially with your finances, if you can get over that hump of, Ooh, but someone's going to see my mess. Someone's going to see that I haven't been responsible or I haven't been on it, or I haven't been whatever words we want to use. I haven't reconciled every single month on the first day of the next month. Yeah. Like that's where I I think it's so great that you have that doula background. That's perfect, perfect experience for what you do because we're the same way. It's like, yeah, this is hard. There's no roadmap for this. Mm -hmm. You came to us. We're going to help you. Mm -hmm. Things are going to be good now. Like you're going to be fine. It's just making that jump to get the support that I think is the hard part. But if you're willing to put the time into Mm -hmm. finding the people, whether it's an accountant, whether it's a bookkeeper, Mm -hmm. whether it's a lawyer, whatever expert you need to bring into your business, if you just get over that, the rest is easy. It's just Mm -hmm. that it's like ripping that bandaid off and accepting that it's going to look like someone's going to see my mess and I'm going to feel a little Mm -hmm. ashamed about it. But you're like whatever you're going through a million other people have gone through the exact yeah and I think and I think that's the old the thing that is always you know that I always say like you're not supposed to know how to do this like I don't expect you to know how to do this stop expecting yourself to know how to do this I release you from this release (laughs) yourself from it yeah I don't expect you to know like as an expert I don't expect you to be an expert like why <laughs> why would we have those feelings you there and again it's a lot of internalized stuff right i have learned how to do more things as a business owner like that jack of all trades stuff i can do most of it pretty competently but i also had to learn that i couldn't do my other i couldn't do the stuff that actually makes money if i continue to learn how to do all of those other things totally. minimally competently absolutely and i think the other thing here to to remember as well that um, I think is important to address when it comes to these, uh, these feelings as it relates mm-hmm. to the financial side of our business is money is an emotional trigger for a lot of people too, just in general, oh, right? Money mindset. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's so dependent on like, how did your parents respond to money? How did they mm-hmm. teach you to respond mm-hmm. to money? Did they even teach you anything about managing your finances or have you felt kind of in the dark and just 
reacted emotionally to mm-hmm. your financial situation and used money as um, an emotional outlet or whatever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. And so you combine that with the fact that now, okay, maybe you had some of these um, complicated connections and emotions to money before you started a business. And now you're starting a business where you have an even more sophisticated financial um, entity that you now have to be responsible for on top of your personal finances. That again, it can just, I think, overwhelm people because of how I just, again, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but I think in America, there's just, um, there's so much judgment around whether or not you have money, if you're good with money and, 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 and your value as a person is tied into your ability to generate mm-hmm. and manage money that uh, I wish there was some way uh, to change that as part of our culture and just turn everyone into more of a learning mindset and an open mindset to, mm-hmm. to bringing experts in and, and understanding this part of your life and your business in a simpler way. Cause so much of the time we over complicate this part of our lives as well that also just makes us feel more ashamed that it's just getting messier and messier but money is an emotional trigger for a lot of people and i think it's also important to understand that accept that about yourself and then realize if you need to do some work around money mindset anyways because i know it's made a huge impact on a lot of people when they make that realization yeah it's really hard to grow a business if you have a scarcity mindset around money And honestly, that's something I had to fix. Like that's something that I was, I grew up with. Um, My brother's like the budget guy now. Like he's like, you know, it was like the fire money thing. I don't even know what it is. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to buy stuff. Okay. Um, (laughs) But I had to, I had to flip the script on, on scarcity and money and abundance and energy and all of that. Otherwise there's no way I would ever grow. Right. Um, and I don't have everything figured out. And I have people in my industry that are like, Hey, can you tell me how you got to where I am? I'm like, where do you think I am? First of all, (laughs) (laughs) second of all, I don't have it all figured out. Um, I actually had one of my mentors the other day, like, so if you don't reach, like, if you go over your goal one day, like to you, like one month, do you like roll that amount into the next month? And I'm like, I rarely hit my goals. He's like, what? I thought you were hitting your goals all the time. I'm like, dude, you don't know my goals. They're ridiculous and audacious. (laughs) Never get met. (laughs) Um, Because that's just how I roll. And I know I'm never going to hit them, but they're big and audacious because then I actually concede them. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's, I kind of want to back it up just a little bit. Like, what's the difference? Like we use accountant and bookkeeper um, kind of interchangeably. So let's talk about what the difference is. Yeah, so- for me, it's really simple. Your accountant is the one who's going to be a tax expert mm-hmm. making decisions around how do we um, maximize your write-offs so that we can minimize your tax liability, right? How mm-hmm. do we make, give you uh, a small tax bill as legally possible while also making sure that we're you know, being responsible with our taxes and not compliant. doing illegal mm-hmm. stuff and staying compliant? Compli- um, I always just say like minimally illegal um, tax mitigation, you know, we're always looking for a legal tax mitigation. Yes. Cause I know some accountants are willing to push those boundaries in ways I, I don't feel comfortable with. Um, but ultimately that's what I think everyone should be looking for Matt, you know, trying to minimize your tax liability through legal means. And that's something that again, your accountant is going to be the expert on what's the new tax laws. Um, what are the new, uh, tax saving st- trends, what's going on in the industry versus your bookkeeper is going to be the person that is actually organizing all the financial transactions happening in your business. Mm -hmm. So um, in a lot of ways, I look at our company and our team more as 
data experts mm -hmm. and data management, like a data management service mm -hmm. than necessarily like accountants right. you know, or, or even finance. So for your, your bookkeeper, they're trying to take every transaction that's happening in your business, whether it's money coming in, money going out, putting into bookkeeping software so that then we can number one, confirm that what's in the bookkeeping software is exactly what's going on in your business. And then number two, organize that data in a way that's going to make it easier for your accountant to file your taxes, but also make it easier for you as the business owner to actually understand how is the money going in and out of my business. And that's something where I think a lot of bookkeepers drop the ball is they go, ah, the business owner doesn't care. I'm just doing this for the accountant. But mm -hmm. it's really important that you have a bookkeeper who's thinking about, okay, all this organ, all this data is going to be organized for you. And let's make sure that it's getting in front of the business owners. So they're using this financial information to make better decisions in their businesses. Yeah. Um, I think that's like the missing piece a lot of the time is that yeah. decision-making piece. Um, but I always see too, like, if you can give me amazing financials in the middle of the year, we can tax plan. Yeah, like we sure. can look at, we can look for more opportunities, but if you had done to have had your books done and two years, your cash balance. How am I supposed to know what's going on in your business? What do you look at? Yeah. What are you supposed to look at? Yeah. What are you supposed to look at? Um, and a good bookkeeper helps you understand what's going on in your business too. Right. So you guys probably just look at profitability, you know, like what are those things that you should be tracking or at least looking at every month to understand if your business is doing a good job? Like what do you guys focus, focus on with online businesses? Yeah. For online businesses. I mean, it really, it all comes down to labor and advertising. Mm -hmm. I mean, that That's the main piece. And I think that's mm -hmm. fairly common for most businesses. Mm -hmm. um, but it is important that I think, and this is why we niche down. Like if your bookkeeper uses a general kind of profit and loss statement that they use for a dentist's office and they use for a um, retail store and they use for a real estate agent. And it's like all these different businesses who you might need to organize that data differently and customize it to that specific business model. Yeah. Um, that's what I think we do really well for our online clients. But if your bookkeepers is kind of using a general way of organizing your data, then it might be harder to pull that data out. So for us, we definitely are putting the advertising, the labor, in different places to make it easier to analyze what's going on in the business. But when our clients are struggling with profitability, it's usually because either they're not getting a good enough return off of their cold traffic ad spend, whether it's Facebook ads, Google ads, uh, whatever it may be, or they've built up their team, whether it's through contractors or employees to be bigger than the business can handle in that moment. And those are usually 99% of the time, the two biggest expense issues. Otherwise, if we're not necessarily worried about any specific expense, like the expenses don't look out of control, then I think it's also important for people to understand that sometimes it's just making more money. It's not necessarily cutting back on expenses. It's just, no, your expenses are okay. You just need to go out and drive more revenue. So it's either make more money, get a better return on your ad spend or better maximize your labor force to make sure we're efficiently using our labor budget to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. I love that so much because I'm always just like, well, what are you doing with your time that's not making money? Because your revenues went down or they're not where we thought they would be or what's going on, mm -hmm. right? Um, my default is always go make more money or stop. What are you doing in your business you shouldn't be doing? And then we'll look at those other things. Um, for for veterinarians, you know, we're looking at gross profit, um, and then labor, um, and that's pretty much it because they mostly just have lots of supplies and rent. After yeah. that, um, so rent doesn't really change them a whole lot. What we can do with that? Usually, if we're we're involved in the startup process, we're doing projections. Um, 
so that we can help them choose the space for them. <laughs> um, Cause then we can say, um, maybe not the five exam room one. Maybe we should start with a three Yeah. Um, and look for a place that maybe, you know, let's talk to your real estate guy and let's see if we can get them. You know, maybe there's a place next door you might have later potentially, you know, that turns, turns over a lot. Well, and, and let me, and look, I want to say something to this too, Jamie, because the fact, you know, this, like as a, a vet, and, and like, uh, cause you do dentists and vets mm -hmm. typically yeah. like the fact, you know, like you've seen, this is a good amount for rent. This is typically where you want your labor costs. This is mm -hmm. like having that level of expertise from mm -hmm. like, if, if our accountant knew bookkeeping businesses, the way, you know, veterinarian businesses, like we would pay whatever for that. Right. <laughs> and that's, I think just goes to show that if you're listening, the more your accountant or your bookkeeper, cause I think our clients feel the same way about mm -hmm. us because we're like, yeah, we know your profit should be at 30% or higher. We mm -hmm. want your advertising to be less than 30% of your total revenue. We don't want your labor costs to be higher than 20 or 25% of your total revenue. Knowing these numbers and knowing how a business is shaped financially should take form. It's invaluable to know those parts of your business. And if your accountant does or your bookkeeper doesn't really specialize in your business, they're not going to be able to give you that feedback. They're going to give you generalized information that may or may not be relevant for the type of business you're running. So hearing you say these things, I'm like, mm -hmm. I bet you your clients just absolutely are so thrilled that they found you because that level yeah. of expertise is so rare for what they do. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's a new niche for us, but I've spent a lot of time um, you know, trying to figure out what's important to these business owners. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's also goal-based. So the other thing we, we talk about is what do you emotionally want? Right. Like what is your lifestyle? What kind of lifestyle do you want? Uh, we have a startup, uh, veterinary who, you know, we helped with projections and we help them figure out, no, this space is not going to work. Please go find a different one. Um, that's a lot of dollars <laughs> that you have to, you have to, you have to deal with on the rent, but um, you know, one of her ultimate goals was to not work five days a week. You know, she started this veterinary clinic less than 12 months ago, and she now has a relief bed in one day a week. She already is not working six days a week, right? These, and one of the reasons we work with these niches is we have much higher burnout, high rates of suicide. If we can help them on the financial side to be profitable so that they yeah. can do what they need to do personally to take care of themselves, we can help impact that. Right. So if we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off, doing our own payroll, trying to see patients, doing exams, doing surgeries, whatever, by 10 o'clock at night, we're exhausted. Right. And that's how we get to burnout. Right. It's emotional fatigue. It's imposter syndrome. It's all of those things. Um, and for me, it's always goal based. What do you want? And you want to go buy real estate? Okay. So let's go figure out what needs to happen there. You know? That's, that means I'm not going to go tell you, put, put your money in a SEP or something. You can't, you know, like access down, the you road, can't yeah. access down the road because that's not goal-based for you. Right. So, oh, you want to, you want to minimize taxes, but this is really what's important to you. Okay. Well, let's just pay taxes on those dollars and then let's figure out how to get that money out. So really when we were tax planning, I'm asking them, what do they want? And if it really is, I just want every dollar pre-tax retirement from here until eternity. Okay. Well, I can definitely help you with that. Yeah. But how does that help you long-term? Right. And, and that, and I think that just is, goes to show how important it is to have vision for what you're doing. I, yeah. I think if you're, if you, uh, sometimes your business gets started, mm -hmm. um, because you just got into it, you're doing it, it grows, you've been grinding. Honestly, that's Great. how we all started out. Totally. <laughs> but eventually 
you want to pull yourself out of that grind and go, mm -hmm. what's my vision? What mm -hmm. am I trying to actually build here? Mm -hmm. And that's actually a very um, rare and privileged situation to even get to be in. What do I want to build? Mm -hmm. A lot of people will just work for a company, work for someone else, and they're kind of at the whim of whatever the company wants from them. Mm -hmm. But as a business owner, the more you can have a vision for what financially do I want this business to do? What um, in terms of my lifestyle do I want this business to do? Um, what do? What kind of results do I want to get from my customers? What kind of experience do I want to give my clients? Whatever, like you have so much more control over this. And the more you can have that vision, the more all of the aspects of your business that you're managing can start to um, come together in a way where you have more synergy, you have more efficiency, you have less stress. Um, but if we operate, I just see it a lot with, uh, with our clients, if they're operating with a lack of vision and they're constantly just responding to whatever the business is throwing at them, mm -hmm. then that's when things start to get not very fun. Even if they're making money, um, mm -hmm. it, it tends to feel like you're you're, you know, you and your team are rowing this boat and everyone's rowing in a different direction. So you end up just kind of spinning in circles and staying in the same place. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, people are not used to being asked what their goals are. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I always look at people and I'm like, I'm not just minimizing tax to minimize tax. What, what, what are we doing with it? What is the purpose of it? Um, because if we have purpose, then A, I can figure out how to help, help you save tax towards that purpose. But also B, you're going to actually implement it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like I can save you 30 grand, but what are you going to go do with that money? Oh, you want to open another store? There it is. There's your 30 grand. Go do Perfect. it. Right? Like if we know what we're doing with that tax savings, you know, if we know what we're going to do with that cash either today or 50 years from now, then we have a purpose for planning. Right? Yeah, and uh, we don't, and we don't have to know 50 years out. No, we let's don't. just start with what about a year? Where do we want to be in a year? Start there. Uh, I like the 10 year because people will always underestimate what they do at 10 years. And that's, people that's are true. like, what does my life want to look like in 10 years? Holy cow. And then we'll back it up to one. Um, I like that. But asking people the 10, they're always just like, because usually it's the five, right? Yeah. They're always just like, well, we can see five, but 10 is just like big audacious, you know, but not, it's generally not big enough because we could do amazing things in 10 years. I've seen it over and over again. I know. And it's so fun. Um, so it's just, I don't know. Having people in your back pocket to help you with your financial stuff, with your business financial stuff is just so imperative because we just know what to do with these numbers and we know how to help you understand them. And we know how to pick out the ones that are most important to you. Totally. Right. Well, and the um, whole point of running a business is to make money. I think some entrepreneurs forget that, right? <laughs> we but, do though. We do because we're busy doing all the urgent things. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's the most, arguably the most important part of your business. Cause if your business isn't making money. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we could do this, but um, Without a doubt. I have tax returns to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, actually, I have to go hop on CPE because, you know, legislation. That's important stuff for you to know, I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, I'm like middle of the tax season CPE. That really happens, but here we are. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the hangover of 2020 for you. Yeah, you know what? At some, hopefully at some point it'll stop. We'll see. Fingers crossed. All right, Parker. Um, before I asked my last question, what is the easiest way for people to find you? Evolved 
finance.com. It's yeah. evolved E V O L V E D finance.com. Uh, I have podcasts where, especially if you're kind of more in the online space, um, we have a podcast where I just talk for 15, 20 minutes about a lot of the concepts we're speaking about here, just trying to share with people kind of more the behind the scenes aspect of their businesses. Mm-hmm. And then we also have um, a workshop that you can uh, sign up for free on our website uh, where we give away a free budget and forecast for your business and a budget for your personal life as an entrepreneur, that especially if you're in the online space, uh, there's a tutorial on how to use all that. I highly recommend that because it's a great starting place to start to wrap your heads, just wrap your head around how the financial aspect of your business works. I love that so much. Like we all need, you know, a little more financial help. Me too. We all do. I say all the time. Me too. Me too. I'm learning stuff all the time. Awesome. Okay. Um, what is the one thing that online business owners can do today that will make their finances easier and less stressful? Oh God, I could give you a list. Number one, like get an account. If you don't have an account, just for the love of God, get an account. For the love of God. Don't have a family member do it. Don't let your spouse do it. Unless those family members or your spouse is a CPA and, 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 and or an EA, but but even more so like an accountant that knows your business, like knows how your business works. Like I think even just getting an accountant, sure, just get an accountant to begin with, but eventually, you know, you, like you're saying, you get what you pay for. Like Mm -hmm. as your business grows and your taxes become more important, find an accountant who's going to understand your business and really be a partner with you to support Mm -hmm. you as your business grows. Um, And then aside from that, just don't put your head in the, like, don't put your head in the sand. Like this part of your business is really fun. I love forecasting. I love budgeting. I love like feeling like I'm in control over the health of the business. And I feel confident about the decisions we're making in our business. Mm-hmm. I know our clients feel the same, but the only way you're able to kind of get that sort of confidence is by pulling your head out of the sand and going, okay, maybe I don't have the systems in place right now, but I'm going to bring in an accountant or I'm going to finally get that bookkeeper, or I'm going to start looking at those reports. My bookkeeper sending me and I've been ignoring mm-hmm. like ask questions and start to learn. And if you can do that, you are going to be such a better entrepreneur Mm -hmm. in the long run by just paying attention and not ignoring this part of your business. I love this. Like sitting down with our client, like we have just a couple of clients on our monthly consulting where we sit down with their budgets and their projections. Um, We just, we do this in our niche space only. Um, But our startup is where she is now because we've been talking about her numbers monthly. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because she's like, well, do I have the cash to bring in the really fit? I'm like, yeah, you have the cash. She's like... Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, because it just feels so much more confident when I'm saying your numbers, you're, you're blowing all my projections out of the water every single month. This is amazing. Right. And, it, like, and it's amazing how so many entrepreneurs more... need that though. Like, right? cause they think they don't know, like they could be sitting on piles of cash and they still don't know if they can make moves or not. Right. Or they're trying to run all the personal expenses through the business and they have no idea what their personal budget looks like. Yes. So somebody also did check you. Yep. <laughs> It's just important. It's so important because we need to solve the numbers. We need to understand what's going on so that we can help you. Um, Awesome. Parker, thank you so much. We're going to have to do this again. Whenever you want. I could talk this all day. So I just appreciate (laughs) you having me on on the show and get to talk to another uh, financial uh, expert who's on the front lines. Yeah. You know, I was like, we're going to just make this as not number nerdy as possible. (laughs) I think we did a good job of that. did a good job too because we talked about the concepts yeah which is i think way more relatable to people right if we talked about business cards people would be like this is the most boring thing ever 
I'd probably think it's the most boring thing ever, but they're important. It is I think definitely the most important. boring thing ever. But they're tools to give us good info so we can do big good business. And it's accessible to everybody. Just it find is. the right team, find the right people. You can feel just as good about your numbers as our clients do or your clients do. Mm -hmm. you, you just got to get the right people involved. Totally true. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.